Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another football edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at Believe Network. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting on your and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. And remember, to use your promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-B, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts, right here where the episode starts. John, it's post 4th of July. I'm still in a hot dog coma, but despite that, we soldier on. And we're here to talk about many things, Michigan State. But first of all, we talk about recruiting. There are some new names. We are excited. We I'll promised take it. it from here. <laughs> yeah, we promised it. We said when we record, we'll get you some uh, some crews. We took a little bit of time off. Um, well deserved, might I add. Another week <laughs> off, but we're back. Um, and since then, landed Henry Hasselback. Yes, that name may be familiar to you as a quarterback position goes. Um, his dad, Matt pretty good quarterback uh, in the NFL. Um, he, famous for many things, infamous for others, but his son, Henry, uh, joining the Michigan State recruiting class, we actually had to out-recruit not just other Power 5 schools, but an entire other sport um, in lacrosse to get Hank Hasselback on board. So I, I think the recruiting is really reaching entirely new heights when you're out recruiting other sports, Austin, I would just say. Uh, yeah, yeah. Big pickup. Not only just another sport, but also his father's alma mater. Yeah. Boston College, a place where he had a very successful college career, a place that's right down the road from Westwood, Mass., which is where the Hasselbecks reside. Uh, and also out recruiting Pitt that's churned out, you know, a first-round quarterback just two drafts ago in Kenny Pickett. So – yeah, MSU going head to head with some some programs that have a leg up and you know look uh, geographical advantages. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, when you can get the son of a former NFL quarterback, that's something you you probably want to do. Uh, unfortunate that his dad is no longer with ESPN. Otherwise, we probably would have gotten some good uh, green and white wearing from from Matt. But I'm sure he will pop up elsewhere because he was he was always pretty good on TV. But yeah. Listen, this is another example of potentially Jay Johnson identifying a guy he likes early in the process uh, that maybe is under-recruited by others uh, and and making sure that he gets the commit that he wants. Um, Pretty exciting to to, to land a quarterback, especially early on in the process. As we know, it's a position that commits typically way earlier than just about anybody else. So to get that locked in with a guy that you like and 
you know, make it a third straight solid quarterback uh, class between Hauser, Sam Levitt last year, and now Henry Hasselbeck is is a good is a good place to be. Um, yeah, and like you said, he had the chance to go play lacrosse at some very big lacrosse schools. Like he was being recruited by the by Maryland, I believe, where he was committed. So not only stealing from another from another sport, but another sport at a Big Ten school. That's uh, so funny. I probably could have used him to play quarterback too, if we're being honest. Respectfully, the kid doesn't have a lacrosse name, so he mm. can't play lacrosse in college. It's got to be like Gunner. Yeah. Jax. There's got to be at least an X in his first yeah. name, I think, is a rule. Um, Brixton Welshley or something yeah, no, particularly ridiculous. Yeah, he just didn't have that. So, And also, I love that he may love lacrosse more or whatever. I honestly don't know. But you got to take a peek at like career earnings here. And it's like you can go oh, on a high school field in the you know Premier Lacrosse League or um, follow the path of Kirk Cousins and um, the bag that he's been getting lately. Do you want to talk Kirk Cousins' bag? <laughs> yeah, so we wanted to talk about Kirk Cousins because a all-timer, um, Michigan State alum, great representative of the university in the NFL, been in the league for forever now. But I, so he's gonna. The reason why we wanted to like really bring him up is because he's going to be in this new. I think it's a Netflix show called Signal Caller, where like a TV crew or a Netflix crew followed him around all year. Uh, along with two other quarterbacks last year. Um, and needless to say, they got some great content. I mean, I have to wonder if the the wearing the chains on the airplane oh. might have played a oh, this yeah. may have played a role in, in that a little bit. But um, Kirk, I just think he's a great businessman. I, I don't know how else to say it aside from he has like divine intervention on his side when it comes to securing a bag. Like, when you look at the situations that he's gotten put in that have been like so advantageous for him are insane. Like he has caught every career break you can you can get. He gets drafted in the same class as RG3 with by the Washington words I won't say at the time. Uh, and guy blows his knee out, gives him a chance, he performs well. RG3 can't really recover, so he's immediately given a starting spot in the NFL when he probably wouldn't have gotten that break as a fourth round pick just about anywhere else signs a big contract there cashes in with the vikings exactly when he needs to plays so well in two separate i believe contract years that he keeps making more money all of this despite never really being all that good even in michigan state as much as we love him i'll my lasting memory of kirk cousins at michigan state is him throwing one of the worst interceptions you will ever see on the road at notre dame where he his sophomore year i believe I he there. threw the ball yeah i was not but i felt like i was he threw the ball just directly into the defensive back's stomach on the goal line like with a chance to tie the game late just and immediately put his hands on his head so that's my lasting Kirk Cousins memory. And also, he he was there during the years when they had the shoulder pad jerseys, yeah. not the Charles Rogers era, which are yeah. universally great jerseys, but these bad NCAA 13 and 14 jerseys. Um, and so, you know, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know if I can ever get over that. But credit to him as a bag getter. It, it actually... So, 
it took me back. We just did a little thought experiment right before we started here. And we're thinking about that infamous picture where it's cousins, Nick Foles and Brian Hoyer all, you know, taking their quarterback room picture at Michigan State. <laughs> the collective lifetime earnings of these three after 2023. So after this upcoming year will be $355,447,993. These guys have made $355 plus million dollars. Brian Hoyer, Nick Foles, and Kirk Cousins. Foles off the back of one insane run. Hoyer off the back of maybe just being like another just all three of these guys, quite honestly, like the timing on all their careers is just wild. One's the backup to Brady forever. The other gets this divine Philadelphia Super Bowl run. And then Cousins is just setting new records for bag getting. Can, can I just share how big of a number that is? That's more, yes. that's more than the GDP of Micronesia. <laughs> That's a lot of money, dude. Yeah. Poor Micronesia. That's like Micronesia uh, taking strays, man. Taking strays. That's like when everybody says the Mendoza line for uh, baseball. It's because Mendoza was a guy who everyone's like, this dude sucks yeah. so bad that if you're this bad, you must be terrible. He's just the the name of failure in dude, baseball, man. What I'm trying to say is that Kirk Cousins, 231 mil, that's, that's Marshall Island's money. That's that's Marshall <laughs> Island's GDP money, okay? Like he's collecting. And Cousins Island soon come. <laughs> it's I'm excited for the show just to yes see how these guys prepare, you know. And I, I often have no clue how like Kirk Cousins is probably as an athlete goes like one of the better athletes that came out of your high school when you graduated. You being universally you listening. Like a six four, you know, pretty athletic guy. That is not good enough to make it in the NFL. It's not. How he's been doing this has been through preparation, repetition, and being frankly brilliant. Uh as it relates to and luck, I'm sure is a huge part of it, but the preparation. I just and I'm excited to see that part of it because I mean, dude, we were talking about how shocked we were that he even was starting over Keith Nickel, much less starting yeah. in the NFL. So I, I just am excited to see how he goes about his business to become, you know, not just a starter in the NFL, dude. Like he's he's undeniably a top 15 quarterback. He's in the upper half of quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. I think for anybody to be singularly great at anything, which I think despite, you know, he's not Tom Brady, but like if you're one of the 32 best at your career in the world, like you have to be insane. You have to be insane. No, you like full on have to be a crazy person. Yeah, that's like, Yeah, and I think that he is. And the insight into what makes him his own brand of crazy will be, kind of fascinating to to watch like i don't i don't know that there are many like again people that can execute at that high of a level at no matter what they do that are like what you would call well adjusted like i don't think you know <laughs> like I, you can't and, be like you can't be possible 
Yeah. So I'm fascinated to see what becomes of Kirk Cousins. And hopefully, uh, I'm sure this will be pretty entertaining no matter what. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and then they got, you know, two guys that are in different directions, you know. Um, you know, Mariota had a tough year, and then obviously Mahomes had a great year. Yeah. So I think it's like they, they picked the perfect three dudes, you know, as it relates to storylines. So it should be good. What would that what would that be like the triarchy of man instead of the duality of man? You've got like the best to ever do it, the best to ever get paid, and then the guy who was the number two pick who is probably a backup for the rest of his career. That's yeah, that should be pretty fascinating. It is. Um, yeah. Anyway, from Henry, that's a Henry Hasselbeck's future, basically, is what we're saying. <laughs> yes, yeah. will become Kirk Cousins. Um, so uh, not just a Henry joining the the recruiting twenty twenty four recruiting class, but Justin, the Slim Reaper Denson, a three star cornerback, I believe, out of Rhode Island, mm-hmm. uh, beat out Florida and Oklahoma had a non-committable offer from Alabama, but the fact that Bama's on the sheet is a big deal. Uh, high three-star, Austin, your thoughts on Justin Denson? Yeah, I think a couple of things stand out about him. And before you actually talk about the player and you know a couple of points you just hit on, A, the, the caliber of team that Michigan State was going up against to recruit a guy like Denson, I think says a lot about the perception. And that's, like you said, Florida, Oklahoma, teams that are, I mean, Florida is as hot a recruiting team as as there is right now. Um, and he's, to, to turn them down to come to Michigan State, I think, says quite a bit. Again, Oklahoma, another team that always does well on the trail. I mean, this dude, if you go further down, again, say what you want about committability or non-committability. I'm just looking through his roster or his offer sheet right now. And we're talking... I'm just going in alphabetical order of, of ones that stand out to me. Arkansas, Colorado, Florida State, Kentucky, Maryland, Miami, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Penn State, Purdue, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M, West Virginia, Wisconsin. I mean, that's a lot of interest, and especially for a kid out of Rhode Island. So that must mean quite a bit. And that second point is actually just as important. We're, with the last two guys, we've talked about Hasselbeck from Massachusetts, Denson from Rhode Island, Michigan State going – to the to the east coast i guess not shockingly because of their hire of jim salgado who is the new defensive backs coach he's from from syracuse and knows the west or the, excuse me the east coast you know not typically a, a football hotbed uh a little bit better than most and that you know could turn out to be uh the reason why they got justin denson who looks like at this point uh, a really solid member of this class and he checks it at 61180 so he's got a little bit of height and size for what is currently listed as a corner, there is some some thought out there that he might end up at safety. But either way, um, he's currently checks in as the sixth highest recruit in the class, at least according to uh, the twenty four seven rating model. Um, and so he's he's another great at. And again, you're sensing a theme here with where Michigan State is putting its focus from a class building perspective. Uh, You've got Cameron Campbell, Sire Torrance, Justin Denson, Reggie Powers, and Jalen Thompson, all defensive backs long-term, all now committed to Michigan State. 
other players still in the mix too. So you can tell that I think it's becoming clear over the past few years that the approach to defensive back recruiting and offensive line recruiting in particular is volume. And then you hope that the cream kind of rises to the top uh, of these higher rated guys, but this multitude of, of different bodies that you've put into the mix. So uh, exciting to have Justin as, as a part of it. And it will be interesting to see if they still try to land another defensive back. Um, I have to think with only eight or nine scholarships left available that they will probably be pretty selective and, and prioritize other groups. But either way, great addition to the class. And uh, yeah, exciting to beat out, once again, such big programs to, to land a quality recruit. Speaking of big recruits, Nick Marsh had to have him. Uh, former commit, then took some time off to reevaluate his options, which you and I, I think, spoke at length about being a very good idea. And yeah. after going on all of his official visits, which, again, can't recommend doing that enough, probably would have recommended some Southern schools for Nick. Um, <laughs> If we're just taking official visits, I mean, I I would have. But uh, took his visits, and, and Michigan State beat out Penn State and Pitt, among many others, uh, for the four-star out of Detroit, River Rouge, um, the highest-rated recruit in this year's class so far, hoping to build on some momentum here with the addition of Nick. What are your initial thoughts of gaining the best wide receiver in the class? Um, or in the state, and maybe for the past couple of years. It's it's huge. I don't think you can really overstate what it means to have Nick Marsh be, be a part of this class. Um, I mean, you could go back to when he first committed, you know, we were sitting and talking about how he is the, the keystone of this whole class. Him leaving, you could probably go back and listen to us talk about if we were recording at the time. Uh, how devastating that is to the class but I, I i can't emphasize enough what it means to not just get him as a recruit but have him recommit that is so exceedingly rare i mean it's not very often that a guy will say okay you know i'm backing off my commitment and then come back right. um it's 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 not a common thing and to have it happen with such a you know potential cornerstone of your class uh, is, is massive. I mean, Marsh, again, just to kind of speak to the level of talent and what he is as a recruit, he is on the 24-7 composite, and a top 100 recruit in the entire country. He's a top 16 wide receiver, and he's the third best player in the state of Michigan. Um, that is a very elite list. And we're talking about, he's, you hear 16, and you're like, oh, he's the 16th best receiver. Think about how many high school receivers are playing that are going to be seniors next year. I mean, how yeah. many hundreds of thousands? He's the, one of the top 16. That's That's pretty incredible. Um, again, talk, just to go through the offer list like we did just before with Denson, you know, Michigan State beat out teams like Auburn, uh, let's keep going here, Maryland, Miami, Michigan, Minnesota, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oregon, Ole Miss, Tennessee, UCLA, West Virginia, Wisconsin, a lot of the same names. Two to really call out here. One, Michigan. Anytime you can keep the best, one of the best players in the state at your school, that is a win, no matter what. doesn't matter if they end up being good or bad. That means a lot, uh, especially when they're top 100 kids. Another school to call out that really is a big deal to beat out is Penn State. This That is where people, that, that is where universally it was um, assumed that Marsh would end up. 
And again, another school that is red hot on the recruiting trail and has quite a bit to sell, especially with, you know, the quality of quarterback he would get to play with at least his freshman year, Drew Aller. Um, so huge to keep that momentum aside, huge to gain that recommitment back um, and really could be, you know, hopefully a, a bedrock of this uh, of this class moving forward. I do think it's funny if you look at his, <laughs> this is going to be viewed as either um, good or bad. I'm not sure. Oh no, never mind. Uh, the comparison is Brian Edwards from the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know who that is, uh, but I assume he's, he's got to be decent. I thought it said Braylon Edwards, which I thought was going to oh, be a real, wow. really, really funny uh, <laughs> comparison to keep away from Michigan. But either way, Marsh, the fact that he, A, Michigan State beat out great programs, B, kept a recruit in-state away from Michigan, and C, um, got to recommit is – it's a big combination of things. This is a this is huge because not so long ago, John, we were sitting here and saying, "What's going on oh with boy. this class?" And all of a sudden, things are are trending back in the right direction. Uh, and and Marsh is a huge part of the reason why. Yeah, I think Justin Thind is the one who tweeted out some some junior highlights, and they're playing Orchard Lake St. Mary, and he's double covered like every time. And the first clip is actually hysterical because it's in high school football it's like it's funny already because yeah. you just give the best athlete the ball right and, and so they have a dude like deep and a guy shallow covering him and he's just running a straight go route and he just <laughs> runs by both of them and they just he just throws it up to him and it's like you can't teach speed and size like that and orchard lake st mary you're from the detroit metro area it's a pretty proud school of football tradition. Oh, yeah. You don't just toss out, you know, nobodies. So, you know, he was going up against some solid competition, not just in that game, but in general. Um, so if he's been mossing dudes, or rather his mom likes to say marshing dudes, uh, it's it's a good sign. So um, long way to go. Obviously a full senior year for him to play, but seemingly the size, 6'3", 200 already. If he can learn how to get off the ball, you know, get off the line, yeah. Um, you could you could figure out a way to, for him to play. Uh, well, wide receiver being an area you can you could start you can play. If you yeah, want. and he does he he brings a different kind of skill set that I think MSU really has on the roster right now. In a lot of ways, it's a very Keon Coleman type of skill set where he's just yep. a big athlete jump yep. ball guy uh, who's who's just going to be a better athlete than most of the dudes that are covering him. So, especially at the, the stage he's at right now. But I, yeah, I think I don't think. Again, this is one thing Michigan State, you know, probably is going to deal with quite a bit moving forward, at least in the next couple of years, is guys like Nick Marsh do not come to Michigan State to not play. I think yep. you saw with Jeremy Bernard last year. Jeremy Bernard did not come to MSU to not play, and he turned around and left. You know, that's what happens. I, again, I'm not saying I know anything because I definitely don't, but you got to think if Caden Hauser comes in and doesn't win the job this fall, there's going to be part of him that thinks, am I better off going somewhere else? I personally, Caden, if you're listening, there isn't a better place for you. This is the place for you. You're going to do great. Um, but the fact is, I, I would anticipate seeing Marsh sooner rather than later in his playing career uh, at, at MSU. And um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. And it is, admittedly, uh, again, just to go back to another reason of how important he is, is when you look at 2024, 
in the top 10 recruits in the state of Michigan before Nick Marsh committed, MSU only had one of them. And I know that it's not the old days of, you know, MSU throwing everything they have into recruiting Michigan and Ohio and that's it. But it's still very important to hold your own in your own backyard. And if you, again, before Marsh, you know, all of the top 10 were committed elsewhere. So the other nine, only one of them, Andrew Dennis, number eight, was committed to Michigan State. Now, it's great to get the best offensive lineman. That's a beautiful thing. But still, you look around, numbers two, four, and six all committed to U of M. Number one, CJ Carr committed to Notre Dame. You had Colorado, Louisville, Rutgers, North Northwestern, all coming in and taking players out of the state of Michigan. Like, that's not a great look for MSU. And if that number three spot in the state, which is Marsh, would have been Penn State instead of MSU, that's trouble. That's that's tough. That's tough. It's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. To salvage two of the top ten is uh, at least making you feel you, you can sleep at night knowing you got the best playmaker of the group and the best offensive lineman. And and we can call it let's call it top eight because you mentioned some schools, yeah. but realistic like impact guys in the state of Michigan were probably because of population decline looking at around eight a year that you, that, yeah. that are playing at the Big Ten level, right? So, um, yeah, like you said, very important to have locked him up. Um, long way to go. You, you mentioned the class kind of coming together. Twelve recruits now. I think you said eight spots remaining before anyone is, you know, makes decisions next year. The big number to look at is not necessarily the overall numbers. It's about average recruit ranking. And MSU right now in the Big Ten is, I believe, sixth. And um, that's including UCLA and USC. And uh, 28th nationally. Austin, you and I have talked at length. If you're a longtime listener, that's not good enough, you know, because what's the point if you're not trying to win at all? I, we thought that this year's class had to had to be a top 15 class to 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 be considered there could that there could be a real trajectory towards something really really big is that realistic now i don't think it's out of the realm it's becoming dimmer but it's certainly becoming um while it's dim it's a much brighter than it was a month ago so yeah. Um, there's one guy to watch. I think everyone may know David Stone. It would be the one of the biggest and maybe the biggest recruit in Michigan State history. He's going to be he's a five star, six four two seventy D tackle uh, from Oklahoma. It's really many consider like a two two man race between Oklahoma and Michigan State. If MSU gets him, I think that changes a lot of things about the program. I know it's just one player, but but landing your first five star can do things for you. It be it makes it less feel less impossible in the future to be chasing five stars. Last year we mm-hmm. talked about it. Too much dip on the chip, chased all five stars, had no backup plan. This year, they've been on this guy since almost since right after not just when Mel got here, it was when um Sorry, I'm blanking on the name. Our, our DE uh, specialist, Brandon Jordan, yeah. um, have been working with him and has been on him ever since. The fact that MSU still, you know, potentially even in the lead without Brandon Jordan says a lot about Mel. 
And I just think there's a lot left if they can land him. We can start to have different conversations about how the rest of this class might play out because all of a sudden other guys see that. And I know it's one player, but I'm telling you, momentum happens in recruiting. Definitely. <laughs> and, and this could be a guy that pushes some other guys in the right direction. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Again, this would be, I, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this would be one of the, I don't know, three biggest recruits in school history. I think I would put TJ Duckett in, you know, maybe I'm sure some are escaping me, but like, honestly, like Charles Rogers, Charles like those, like that's it. I don't know how many more there are that are even in the same caliber. I mean, those guys, I think Duckett was actually number one in the country in when his class, but that was in 2000, 2000, like maybe before and Rogers in the same kind of, kind of boat. This, you know, it's a totally different world nowadays, recruiting versus them. Like it's, it's like the, like the, before the industrial revolution versus, you know, the, the future that they set in 2001, a space odyssey, like it's, it's just night and day. Um, and so, which would make getting stone in my opinion, significantly more important uh, and more impressive. I mean, the, Michigan state's going up against like you said, Oklahoma is is the biggest name and would seem as the biggest um, biggest challenger. But everybody's got their name in the hat: Miami, Florida, Oklahoma, Oregon. I'm sure Bama is off or Georgia. Oh, every big school like these these schools that can come to him and say, "You'll be in the league. You'll play here. You might not be the superstar, but like you're going to be in the NFL in three years." Like, period. End of story. It's not that he won't achieve that at Michigan State, but they don't have that same thing to sell him. So if they're going to be able to sell him and say, yeah. come be a part of something bigger, come make Michigan State stand out and regain its place at the top of the conference, like that says a lot about him. It says a ton about the coaching staff because, like you said, you know, Brandon Jordan's not there anymore, and yet they haven't lost a step. If you look at David Stone's social media, which take all of that with a grain of salt, big grain of salt, he's constantly talking about Michigan State. Constantly. He's bumping up Nick Marsh, Scooter Carey, all these guys. So, you know, if MSU was able to carry that one through, we're talking about, again, on a composite, the number five recruit in the entire class. It puts Michigan State's logo at the top of every search. <laughs> it puts Michigan State, like, front and center uh, on any person that follows recruiting radar and that is something that does not get said very often um and again you pile him on top of getting like uh timise adiel from which i might have butchered his name but from texas a&m who was a five-star just two years ago on top of by joe on top of andrew DePape, and now all of a sudden you're you're doing what msu what, what great schools do just stacking talented classes and so and and you're doing it at maybe the most important aside from quarterback place that you can do it in college yeah. football uh yeah. an impactful way and honestly like i think even more than the nfl definitely more than the nfl because the caliber of quarterback play in college is so drastically less like if you have a great front seven in college football it is it will change everything everything for you look at georgia georgia's just won back-to-back -back championships with stetson bennett like stetson bennett <laughs> God bless him, but like he is not the example of quarterback that you're thinking when you think Georgia quarterback. Um, 
And yes. yet. And yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he looks like a mailman in a football <laughs> uniform. And instead he's, you know, winning natties and making it look easy. Uh, without like the super duper talented offense, even like just that defensive front seven has ruined so many games for them over the last two years. And I'm not saying David Stone puts Michigan State in that category because because he doesn't. But he is the type of player that would play as a part of that group. And to and by by Joe is also one of those. I think Andrew DePay yeah. is probably in that conversation. Like that's the type of cal- caliber dude you need. And um, yeah, so that's just what it does for MSU. It's, it's and it's another guy at IMG too, which is not a small deal. Like that's, that's as good a pipeline as you could possibly tap into. Jordan Hall, a perfect example. You just named three dudes that they're going to need time, and I don't know how patient this fan base is or should be, frankly. But once those guys are able to see the field together, like Oof. now we're cooking. Okay. Oh yeah. So, you know, obviously we need results prior to then, but that is something to just try and remember as we get through uh, uh, this this coming year. Um, I'm still thinking about you calling Stetson Bennett. Imagine if that was his nickname and people were like, great nickname. oh, because he always delivers on time. He's like, oh, no, because he looks like a mailman. No, because he looks <laughs> like a mailman. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, let's see. Last thing, we'll talk about this next episodes, I'm sure, but Spartan Dog Con, uh, third annual, July 28th, 29th. A lot of social media rumbling, um, some some surprise action taking place. I just want to throw my hat in the ring, get, get my wrong take on record. I think we're going to see neon jerseys. I think we're going to see neon, new Nike neon jerseys and potentially even the idea that they would debut during a night game against Michigan. It's a lot. It's a quite the parlay I've put out there, but I'd like to hit. I think that would be fun. I won't be surprised at all. It seems to be the only thing that makes any sense, quite honestly. Um, I think that's cool. I think as long as they get, like, listen, at the end of the day, as long as, if, if David Stone likes the jerseys, Nick Marsh <laughs> likes the jerseys, these other dudes than than I am all for it. You know who I really like if they like the jerseys is Bryce Underwood. For those of you who aren't already looking ahead to 2025, Bryce Underwood is the number three overall recruit. He's also a quarterback. He's also from Belleville, Michigan. That's a guy you want to keep your eye on. And quite honestly, love it if he came to Spartan Dog Con, and I would love it if he loved the neon. So if these guys are into it, so am I. It's a uh, lot, lot to come this summer. Um, we'll keep an eye on recruiting as it goes, um, and and we'll keep track of the GDP and and Kirk Cousins' mm-hmm. back getting as well. Austin, yes. anything else on the football front? I think that's it for today, guys. As always, uh, our show has been presented by Bet Online, and for John, this has been Austin, and we'll, we'll catch you next time. Yep.